Greetings and salutations. You're listening to This Ends at Prom, a podcast where I, teen movie apologist BJ Colangelo, show my wife, Harmony Colangelo, a seminal teen girl movie that I missed out on because I grew up as a teen boy. Is today's movie truly emblematic of womanhood? Or of rose-colored nostalgia glasses warped your perspective? Circle yes, no, or maybe to find out if we're crowning a queen? Or if we're killing the teen dream. Welcome to This Ends at Prom. This Ends at Prom is a Pod People production. I don't wanna be your merch girl. I wanna be your goddamn idol. And I don't wanna have to work twice as hard for the same motherfucking title. But I. Prom party and welcome to 2021. Happy New Year, happy like six New days Year. ago. All I have to say is happy it's not 2020 anymore, as if time has any meaning. I mean, it's it's more of like a hopeful expectation. Yeah, there's because like... <laughs> there's 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 good-ish things on the horizon. So I think as a whole, <laughs> 2021 is gonna be better than 2020. But the first month or two or three or four is still going to be very 2020-ish. Yeah, very very much so. And uh, obviously we're just throwing predictions in the air because it's not even Christmas when we're recording this. Well, you gotta date every episode. The reason that I date every episode is because if something happens, like if tomorrow Rachel Lee Cook, like explodes somewhere and then we don't comment on it as a teen girl podcast then people are going to be all up in our business on twitter being like um i cannot believe you didn't acknowledge the fact that Rachel Lee cook exploded and it's like i recorded She's this, in this weeks movie. ago but it's like newsworthy for her so that's why because and it's so whack i've definitely seen people do that to other podcasts where it's like do you not realize that people don't do these things like the day that they come out like I mean, I'm, there's some time to edit in here. I'm a person who's grown up for the last decade on Let's Plays on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And so people will comment things be like, no, you, you need to go left and push the button on the secret wall. And it's like, did you not realize this isn't live? They were they, they recorded that probably like two weeks ago, <laughs> bro. Like, well, and you're going to yell about that for the next three episodes. And these were all recorded at once. So right, um, right, right. don't quite know what you're getting at, but all right. <laughs> So if it's your first time listening, I'm one of your co-hosts. My name is BJ Colangelo, and across from me in the room, as always, is my lovely, delightful wife. Armed with vigorous jazz hands, Harmony Colangelo! Oh my god, I'm gonna fire you myself. Who, who do I, who am I there? I, I guess I'm Paul Lind. A little bit, yeah. There's some yeah. Paul Lind going on there. Yeah, that's fine. He's a legend. He is a legend, and he's <laughs> great, so we're okay with that. But we wanted to start off 2021 with quite possibly the most, like, tailor-made for this podcast movie ever. Are you saying that a gay teen girl (laughs) musical that's basically an episode of Glee is good for this format? I was more so referring that it's gay and also called The Prom, which is, like, 40% of our show name. I don't don't do math. That's probably not right. 
I don't get it. <sighs> harmony. Harmony, 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 harmony. What's a prom? Oh my god, that's right. You didn't go to prom, did you? I didn't go to prom. Oh shit, yeah, we're unpacking that later. Thank <laughs> you for giving me that ammo. That's I'm traumatized. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, we are talking about the new Netflix original, The Prom, directed by Ryan Murphy and based on the hit Broadway show of the same name. Normally at this point in the show, we read the synopsis from Fandango, but our Fandangos have done us dirty this week. They do not have a synopsis on their website right now. No, but they got tickets to go see it in limited theaters if you want. Which, like, no, gir- Fandango. Like, girl, I got some tickets for you. You want to buy some tickets? I don't, I don't Just they, they've opened their trench coat, and then there's some there's some tickets. And, and wristwatches. Uh, I just, yeah, it's like the skeevy <laughs> guy from Hey Arnold. <laughs> what the a guy, great reference. The guys who dress up as fruits. Or if we're going to go... Uh... What do you mean there's another banana downtown? <laughs> oh, God. What a great call. Thank you for Thank that you. one. Because now I'm just thinking about Hey Arnold, and that's like one of my feel-good places, and I'm just feeling good about it. So good. I appreciate it. But since Fandango has failed us... We're going to the dark side, and I'm going to read a synopsis from IMDB. Did that sound like uh, that sound like threatening? I mean, I th- I tend to take IMDb the least seriously <laughs> as far as its rating systems go because a lot of my like favorite you bomb them. Yeah, a lot of my favorite movies uh, get bombed by sad internet boys yeah, who hate punks. women. So punk bitches. Yeah. Well, according to IMDb, the prom is about. A troop of hilariously self-obsessed theater stars swarm into a small conservative Indiana town in support of a high school girl who wants to take her girlfriend to the prom. Roll credits. Roll credits. We're done. So <laughs> I will respectfully, no, I, nay, I will disrespectfully disagree with IMDb by saying that these uh, these Broadway celebrities are any form of hilarious. <laughs> That's, that's cold. We haven't even started. I think they've got moments, but mostly I'm like, God, you suck. <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> I mean, one of them is one of the world's most beloved performers, and I am taking a personal offense. Okay, cool. Guess what? Her character is not. Her character is <laughs> quite lampooned. <laughs> so let's... <laughs> Before we dive into these characters too much, uh, nor- like right around now is when I ask, you know, what's your experience with this movie? Because it's usually something you've never seen. I mean, I hadn't seen this. Well, obviously. It's a new release, honey. Neither of us have seen this. Yeah, well. <laughs> so instead of asking you that, I-, I have two questions for you. Are you ready? Probably not, but we're recording, so go. Question one. What is your history, understanding, exposure to musicals not counting high school musical well i mean high school musical was a it was a new thing yes yes it was our, our only other musical we've done on the show so far but uh yeah no that was a something i did just recently but no musicals have always been around in like some sort of medium like there's plenty of like tv shows i watched growing up that had musical episodes so, hey arnold had the lovely one based on carmen yes which i it guess does. That's an, it's an opera but like you know it's yeah it's a musical kind of or um, I love the Scrubs musical, which you is like... You fucking love the Scrubs musical episode. Everything does come down to poo. <laughs> but like it's done in coordination with like Avenue Q. So there's like some crossovers there. And that was one of the first 
That was the second musical I'd ever seen live. Mm -hmm. The first being Phantom of the Opera. Did you see it in Cleveland, I assume, downtown? Yes, I saw it downtown. Mm. Uh, I was in fifth grade. Oh, boy. And my parents decided that we, as a family, were going to be cultured, and we were going to go to the theater. I like that you said cultured theater. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, so we did that, and afterwards, I, I think my dad had, like, a significant superiority complex because he saw Phantom. <laughs> And um, anybody who feels morally superior for watching anything by Andrew Lloyd Webber, they can go lock themselves in a room for the rest of their lives. I mean, if you threw together a greatest hits of him, you'd have one good banger from each of his shows. There's a couple in most of them. And in all actuality, the thing that Andrew Lloyd Webber has done that makes me love him the most is that he joined TikTok to do one of those piano one note challenges. And he started it with the opening to Phantom of the Opera and then ended it with the note for Welcome to the Black Parade, which is very fucking funny. <laughs> oh, um, like, he gets points for that. Good job. I think Andrew Lloyd Webber did a collaboration with Meatloaf for a single song. It was called uh, A Kiss is a Terrible Thing to Waste. It's very dramatic. That sounds correct. Yeah, I mean, it's Meatloaf. If you're going to collaborate with a rock star, that's the one you do it with. Mm -hmm. But my dad, being the man that he is, which mm -hmm. if anybody wants to kind of have a visual representation of what my dad looks like, picture like the soup Nazi from Seinfeld, because that's, that's <laughs> roughly what he looked like throughout the <laughs> 90s and early 2000s. I've only ever seen pictures of your dad because like, you know, you don't talk to him. So <laughs> now that you're saying that, that's all I'm going to be able to see forever. Yeah, I, uh, last I saw him, he had a mullet. Sick. Was it a good one? I mean, it was fine, I guess. It's thick, so... I mean, congrats. Yeah. But after we saw Phantom, my dad decided to grab both the VCRs in our house mm -hmm. and record a, uh, a bootleg of our rented copy of Gerard Butler's Phantom Oh, and Emmy Rossum? Oh, yeah. brilliant. Yes, and uh, he recorded that, and then I, I don't know if he did it regularly... I can distinctly remember one time where him and his buddies had beers in the living room and he was showing them his bootlegged copy of Phantom of the Opera and explaining the plot to them as though it's like Les Mis or something like deeply more cultured and involving like a different language, but it's not. It's very clearly in English and not hard to figure out and also not something that you think a dad would be obsessed with. Listen, we talk a lot on this show about a lot of gay shit. This is the gayest thing we've ever talked about on this show. <laughs> See, here's the thing here. I don't know if my dad actually liked Phantom. I think my dad just liked having like something where he'd be like, oh no, I understand the finer things in life. It's not all golf and NASCAR for me. <laughs> golf at the local driving range. <laughs> I, oh I, did, I did not absolutely go to career day and say I was a professional golfer and not a factory worker because I won a tool set in a tournament one time. <laughs> See, what I'm just trying to think about, though, is like, I want to know how this went down. Was there an email exchange? Was there a phone tree? How it's did cute he... how you think my dad knows how email works. That's true. Okay. Were they just hanging out in the alley like King of the Hill being like, you want to watch Phantom of the Opera? <laughs> I legitimately don't have any fucking clue. <laughs> It's, that's incredible. Okay. So, so, yeah, I have some exposure to... I'm so glad this is your exposure to musicals. Well, there, there's those. And then, you know, I was a I was in high school in the mid-2000s, so... Oh, so Rent. Well, not just... God, I hate Rent. 
but not, <laughs> not just Rent, but like there was a lot of movie adaptations of musicals. There was a lot of just general movie musicals coming That's out. True. So you had like, you know, producers, Sweeney Todd, Hairspray, and then you had other things like Repo that were coming up through mm-hmm. it. So just tons of musicals in the mid-2000s. There really was kind of a burst of musicals in in the, the mid to late aughts, as, as it would be. Yeah, that, you're, you're absolutely right. And I also think that it's it's interesting because we got both the Broadway show turned movie, like with, with your hairsprays, but then we also got original musicals ma- like made for films like mm-hmm. Repo. So that's, that's an interesting thing. So The Prom is a, a stage musical now put on film. And from what you were telling me, it's basically a one-to-one adaptation. It's pretty damn close. Okay. Um, it's it's pretty close. And, I mean, we'll dive into it later, but the prom on Broadway was actually pretty well-beloved. Like, it was nominated for Tonys. People really loved it. So to see the feedback about the movie is, uh, it's, it's, it's really telling, but, you know, we'll get there. And uh, a, a big reason <laughs> as to why I think a lot of people have differing opinions on the movie versus the stage production is because of who made it. So my second question, what is your knowledge, exposure, experience with Ryan Murphy and the things that he has made? Um, I, I've said quite a few times on Twitter and on the podcast, I'm not a TV person, so I'm not familiar with the bulk of his work. Most of it is either things that I don't care about, like Nip Tuck, mm-hmm. or things I actively avoided, like Glee. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, last October, like the 2019 one, not the 2021, mm-hmm. we had a American Horror Story night for our themed trivia that I had to write out like 50 questions for. And uh, in about a week, I binged like two, two and a half seasons of yeah. American <laughs> Horror Story and had a goddamn miserable time. You were you were very unhappy because it became a challenge. I was like, you don't have to watch all of them. You're like, I'm I'm already into deep. I gotta keep going, which I think is how all of us watch American Horror Story. Like I'm I've watched every season, every episode, and you always get to like episode four where you're like, oh, I'm really I'm really into this. And then episode five happens, and you're like, God, I fucking hate this show. Well, I'm in too deep now. I gotta keep going. Well, the one that I started with because everyone said it was the one of the good ones consistently was. Was Asylum mm-hmm. because I think asylums are just like an interesting, like an interesting setting and theming for fiction mm-hmm. because they're horrifying. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I, I, I don't care what anyone says. That shit's fucking wild and it sucks and it's trash. <laughs> and that seems to be my understanding of people who like and hate Ryan Murphy is that he is exciting and makes trash. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> when like, it comes to American Horror Story, I am full on like Toy Story Four is forky, like trash. I love it. Like that's that's how I feel about the Asylum it. Asylum one has aliens mm-hmm. and also a musical number. Mm-hmm. It's a and, name game, yes. And also the last five episodes are basically an epilogue. Oh, also and there's a serial killer who likes to suck on nipples because he has mommy issues. Yep. And he's also part Ed Gein. It's Yep. Dude, like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. It's really goddamn stupid. <laughs> All right, so now I know where you sit in, in in the camp of Ryan Murphy, and that's an important thing because we're I'm gonna read this motherfucker to filth uh, on how he made this movie. Okay, personally. I guess we'll, I guess we'll come back to that. We'll come back to because my understanding is he's very 
polarizing and complicated on a good day. Uh, that's putting it nicely. Uh, Ryan Murphy to me is very much kind of a, a RuPaul figure in that like Ryan Murphy straight icon. Oh, like somebody who, while yes, is member of the LGBTQ plus community and has done really incredible and impactful work in terms of representation and offering access to marginalized identities to be, you know, at the forefront there's also still that meme of American Horror Story Hotel where it's all of the men and it's asking you to tell them apart and no one ever fucking can. So uh, that's also a problem. But let's put aside our Ryan Murphy and instead let us focus on this cast. So the prom, yes, is about a, a lesbian who wants to take her girlfriend to prom. But... The girls that are in that are not the the star power that clearly Netflix was banking on. So let's talk about these celebrity theater folks. Where is our girl? Where's Emma? Emma! I'm Emma. Emma, my name is Barry, and I'm here to tell you that you are not alone, okay? I am as gay as a bucket of wigs. A bucket of them! And we are here from New York City, and we are going to save you. Tomorrow we will hold a rally, and there will be banners. Excuse me, excuse me, sir. Excuse me! What is going on? Who are you people? We are liberals from Broadway. Uh, who would you like to begin with? I don't care <laughs> okay let me get easy for you meryl streep's dd allen how do you feel about her is her name supposed to be very similar to gg allen in I that she's very so. unlikable <laughs> i don't think so does she also eat vomit i don't know Maybe. i i don't know man but like meryl streep is doing a very good job at her campy performance mm-hmm. and i have I, see, that's the thing here, is I think these main foursome, I think they're all doing perfectly good jobs at being what their roles are kind of asking of them. I think some are doing a better job than others, but well, I'm more curious about what you have to say about that. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, I, I like Nicole Kidman mm-hmm. the most in this lineup, because I like her character the most, because all of them have achieved something... Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not, I don't know anybody's fucking names in here, so I'm just going to roll with their actor names. That's like, totally fine. <laughs> Meryl Streep is, like, a has-been, basically, at this point. She's on she's on a downturn in mm-hmm. terms of her Broadway success, because she's an egomaniac. James Corden's the same, but he never hit the same heights. Mm-hmm. The other guy. Andrew Reynolds. Yeah, that guy. I figured you wouldn't know who he is, but The Book fine. of Mormon guy. Yes, there you go, Book of Mormon guy. You remember? Good yeah, job. Yeah, because you pointed that out to me. Is like, does he sound like he sings Book of Mormon? Because he does. <laughs> I'm like, yes, he does. But uh, he's all, he constantly is like, well, Juilliard. And I, had I like s- that you give him that voice that he doesn't actually use. That's just that's just what I imagine Juilliard sounds like. If I mean, Juilliard was a person, that's what it would sound like. Juilliard also sounds like Robin Williams and Jessica Chastain. Yes, but see, my question here to you is this point, because I've, I've heard this as a punchline many times, and I had to ask you when we were watching, I'm like, um, do people take Juilliard seriously? Because I feel like it is nothing but a joke at this point. So it is taken seriously in the fact that it's basically the Ivy Leagues of performance. Like, mm-hmm. that that's real. But it is so goddamn hard to get into Juilliard. So usually the people who talk about it, if they have not exploded after going to Juilliard, they're insufferable about it. 
Or, you know, you have your your Rachel Berry types, if we're going to talk about Glee, who are just convinced that because they are the best singer in their small high school, that they're going to go to Juilliard. And, like, LOL, no, you're not. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. So, yeah, all three of them have basically achieved something to some degree. Mm-hmm. And then you have Nicole Kidman's character, who's just a chorus girl who mm-hmm. wants to do more, but she doesn't. And that keeps her kind of grounded, and I think she's the least insufferable. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, they're all, like, have shady motives of why they want to go to Indiana and they're all insufferable and they think they're doing good things and people think they're doing other, the people against them think they're doing bad things. And up until the end of the movie, when they just basically are like money, Mm -hmm. I'm not convinced they do anything. I agree with you. And I think that's part of it. They don't do good or bad. No, they're just there. They think they're making this massive impact and doing all of this great work. But in reality, I don't think they're actually doing anything. I think it's all just kind of for show. Like, they are, as characters, the equivalent of the Celebrity Imagine video that happened at the start of the pandemic. Like, that's who they are, but with glitter and tap shoes. This is also like the tuxedo mask meme of, you didn't do anything. (laughs) My work here is done. Yes. Yes, 100%. So, I don't know why I also saluted while I said that. I don't know. They can't see that. They can't see it, but I can see it, and so, I yeah, can feel they, it. yeah, they're all have arcs, I guess. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, this is a this is a musical. It's The characters are not super-duper deep because no. we're not focusing on their character development. We're focusing on, like, who are you? Shit it. Quit it. Go. Sing. Dance. That's it. Like, we, we need to know the basic understanding of who you are through, like, character writing shorthand. Mm-hmm. And now, for the spectacle! If you are somebody who has even, like, a tertiary relationship to theater, you know these characters. You know these people. Because mm-hmm. they they exist. These are, these are kind of... These are, like, stock characters in the world of musical theater. And that's what we're getting. And I do agree with you. I think that they're all doing um, a pretty good job doing what they're doing Uh do i believe that there are moments where i think that they're miscast yeah i fucking do james corden will get to him because that's a whole goddamn mess Uh but then i also think about nicole kidman who i ultimately think is giving the most grounded performance but her entire zazz fossey number is so lackluster and it's because she's not she's not a broadway dancer asking for a friend Mm mm-hmm what is a Fosse? Okay. <laughs> so Fosse's a person. It's not like, it is a style, is but a it's Muppet? also a person. He's not a Muppet. Oh. Um, Bob Fosse was an, an amazing performer, director, and also choreographer. Okay. That's more so what he's known for. Like, he directed the cabaret uh, movie with Liza Minnelli, which is something I know that you know at least exists. I have not seen it, because apparently the version I'm supposed to see is the one with Alan Cumming, because you will not let me see the other one. Jill Grey is fine. Alan Cumming is amazing. Yeah, so that's the version (laughs) apparently I have to see if I'm going to watch Cabaret. So, I mean, he was the first person to ever get, I think it was a Grammy, a Tony, and an Oscar all in the same year. And it was all for for Cabaret. Um, But Fosse more so as a choreographer, like completely changed the game in terms of musical theater dancing, um, like Chicago and like jazz, all that jazz. Like those are all Fosse numbers. Burlesque? No. Showgirls? No. Oh. None of those. I just, but... I just assume all of these dancing stage ladies movies are the same. <laughs> but something I can connect Fosse to you with, which will make sense for you. 
Do you remember in Bring It On when they are going through all of like the different styles they're going to use for their cheers and like make this brand new routine? And they say, we took inspiration from musicals. And there's that scene of Eliza Dushku doing like the like the fist pumping, like swivel dancing. I vaguely remember that this happened. Well, that's a scene from Sweet Charity, which he also choreographed. And I know you've seen Sweet Charity because it was on the bar one time and it's basically just like dancing. And everyone was like, what the fuck is this? Oh, it was on like, I think they had like Turner Classic movies. Yes. Yeah, because the one TV is broke, so everyone looks green. So we usually (laughs) leave it on the black and white channels. Yes. Got it. So yes, that is that style of performance. That is fussy, 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 fussy. Okay, got it. Yes. But it's like a very specific and particular type of dance. And it's very kind of at this point, like musical theater 101, like, you know what a Fosse move looks like. So Nicole Kidman's like Zazz number, I'm like, this is lackluster. This well, doesn't do anything The for intro me. to that was much more jazzy than it ended up being. Yeah, much more jazzy, would you say? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so those are kind of our, our big four. And then that leads us to our, our two girls. So the first one that we meet is Emma. What do you think about Emma? She looks exactly what I imagine a high school lesbian looks like these days. <laughs> it's the hat. It's well, the that, hat that, in, the, in the mom pants. It's, like, it's the high water pants. Yes. Yeah. She yeah. looks like when people say that they're bisexual on TikTok without saying words by just cuffing their pants. Mm-hmm. Like she's the lesbian version of that meme. Yeah. Or what Mr. Wes Allen of Why Did We Ever Meet podcast says, a, a bisexual. A bisexual, yes. A, a bisexual. <laughs> but um, she's... You know, she's little little cottagecore lesbian with her acoustic I don't, guitar. I don't think she's full cottagecore. Well, she can't be cottagecore she's a little quite more, yet because she's, like, she's also in high school, so she can't have her cottage. She's an, like, indie Indiana lesbian. Yeah, yeah, she is. She's she's real cute. Um, she is. She. I was convinced she was Drew Barrymore the first time I saw her when I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> Which is also really funny because once you said that, I then went to look up you know, information about this actress. And the first thing that came up is, was, is she related to Drew Barrymore or Elizabeth Moss? Yeah. Because when she wears makeup, she looks like Elizabeth Moss. <sighs> She's very, uh, like kind of like a different hair color, but like she gives off of vibes of like wedding singer. Yes. Drew yes. Joellen, her name is Joellen Pellman. Joellen Pellman really does kind of emulate that, like Julia Gulia sort of, mm-hmm. I don't know, persona. She's very cute. She is. I think, she she's a, she's delusional a bit, a but we're, we're bit. when we're all kind of stupid and delusional when we're teens, right? You were silly and starry eyed, and especially you put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah, yeah. I mean, who you who you're in love with when you're in high school is who you think you're going to be with forever. And in some instances, that does work and good for you, but in a lot, it doesn't. No, because if I ended up marrying the person I dated for the longest in high school, it would have been a girl that I dated for two months. And she lived on a farm that had a bunch of peacocks. What? Oh, yeah. I dated a 4-H girl for a hot sack. See, but 4-H is like pigs and sheep They had other things, too, but they also had a bunch of peacocks. There's just like a fucking peacock farm in Ohio? (laughs) It wasn't like a a peacock farm. I would just say there was like five or six peacocks. That's too many peacocks. Yeah, and they also would plume at you either if they were trying to intimidate you or if they were attracted to you apparently. And I don't know which one, but they would do it at me all the time. Uh also a fun fact about this girl, I dated her for uh, about a month longer than I meant to. 
How do you do? How do you? I'm. Please explain. So we got together in November, and it's that thing in high school where like. Oh, is it, you got hit with like the holiday thing? Yeah. Well, no. It's that. <laughs> well, yes, but it's that thing in high school where like someone comes up to you and they just go like, "Hey, I like you," and I go, "Okay." So you go on a date, and it's like, "Guess we're dating now." <laughs> Like, yeah. That's just, that's a thing put that in happens. in my locker. We're, it's getting serious. Yeah. So that it was like, I don't know, early November or something like that. And mm-hmm. then I was like, you're kind of boring. You're so kind. <laughs> she was. <laughs> she was boring. And uh, then I was like, oh God, I can't break up with her before Thanksgiving. And then I putzed around and I was like, well, I can't break up with her two weeks before Christmas. <laughs> And then I was like, well, I got to wait through New Year's. (laughs) So then she ended up lasting like till mid-January. So you broke up with her before Valentine's Day? No, I pulled the trigger. Cold-hearted. I pulled the trigger far enough out from Valentine's Day that she wasn't making plans, hopefully. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's really funny, though. Yeah, so, so that I would have ended up with that girl had I ended up with my high school closest to a sweetheart. Because two and a half months was the longest I dated someone in high school. I had, like, too many. <laughs> yeah, well, aren't you fancy? I would I would have to be... You are connoisseur. I would have to have sister wives. That's <laughs> But, like, sister wives as in, like, they are my wives. Yeah, so... And then also some random men, which we don't, we don't want to go... We don't want to talk about we that. Don't, we don't want to talk about them. No. Um, so... So Emma's fine, and then Emma has this crush on this one girl. She doesn't have a crush. It's her girlfriend. Okay, my bad. They've been dating for a year and a half. Okay. Well, we never see them really together because someone isn't out yet. Well, it's high school, so you can't be mad at her. Her name is Alyssa. Okay. Alyssa Green. Um, Yes. And uh, her mom's a lot. uh, Her mom is Carrie Washington, and she's perfect, except for the fact that she's playing a terrible human being. She's playing quite the villain. And what's interesting is that the Broadway production of this, that character is basically a cartoon. Like a cartoon okay. villain, just like, ah, the game. I'm going to tie you to some train tracks. <laughs> yeah, kind of. But like, homophobic. <laughs> I'm going to tie you to some straight train tracks until <laughs> you're straight. <laughs> I'm going to ride a train on you. I'm... To Jesus. <laughs> so yeah, the the character is a lot uh, a lot bigger and more. She's quite a bit meaner of, in this one. I'm gonna assume she's meaner in this one because it's real, and that makes me feel all sorts of um comfies. Yeah. Yes, it uh it makes me feel very uncomfortable because I've interacted with far too many adults quite like that. Uh-huh. Um. Where she is just so steadfast in her beliefs and believes that she's right and she's also kind of manipulating situations in her favor and that is upsetting. So yes, that is why her daughter Alyssa is in the closet. And the big thing is that they're going to come out together at prom and it's going to be big and romantic. And then Carrie Washington does the meanest goddamn thing. So here's what even sucks the most about this. So the prom is based on a real thing that happened. Mm-hmm. In 2010, a school in Mississippi did not want to allow a lesbian uh, student to bring her, her girlfriend to prom. So they just canceled prom. They did not do what the prom of the, the movie does and the show does, which is throw an extra prom so that they legally were doing everything right, but then all the kids went elsewhere. That did not happen. But it is 
so mean mm-hmm. and so just like gut wrenching. And I think that is where this movie. Uh, now we can sort of dive into a little bit more of the. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's where there would have been like an intermission because it's like this is sad and I need a break. Yeah. But no, this is a movie is over two hours long and it is just assaults you with stuff. Yeah. And colors and movement. Yeah. So one of the reasons why I feel like this doesn't translate well to film is that they are definitely trying to capture that high energy of a musical, of a Broadway show, of what have you, without an audience to feed off of. Mm-hmm. And if you are not surrounded by that same level of energy and excitement, because when you sit in a theater, like you can, you feed off the audience when you're sitting there, like you feel the joy from each other. And then you also then get sort of, you, you get to share that energy that the, that the actors are giving you. And it like, it's spread across the audience. It's, it's a very magical feeling. Uh-huh. You don't get that with a movie. You no, just it's feel you like... and me sitting in a silent <laughs> yes. living room and it's just like, Man, there's a pause there where there's supposed to be like applause or laughter, and there isn't, and it's strange. And now we're on to the next thing where it will happen again. And they and everything about it feels like you're just being bombarded with high energy uh-huh. because it is long. Because that's overloading my serotonin. Yeah. Be, yes. Absolutely. There's so many bright colors, and fucking Ryan Murphy does not know how to let a camera just goddamn sit there. It's got to be doing some 360. Glee bullshit or some like, like if there was a Dutch angle in here, then we would just have ourselves an episode of American Horror Story. But the camera does not much more colorful than I remember Horror Story being. Yes, that is very true. (laughs) But it doesn't sit still. So you almost are just like, you can't focus on anything because it's just all over the place. So pairing that with how long it is, it's just fucking exhausting. And it's a shame because I really think that the message and the storytelling in here is not, is not a bad story to tell. It's just executed in a really fucking weird way. It's, um, it, 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 can you overload on camp? Um, yes. I think I overloaded on camp. Yeah. Like, like we buried the needle and it, like when your Mm -hmm. odometer rolls over and it's like, cool, we're like, we're at like the max number, 999, we're at max camp and now we're at zero and I'm very tired because we did, we went too far. And I think there's a lot of really weird choices being made here. Mm-hmm. And I obviously I don't know if these are actor choices or if these are directorial choices. Nobody will know. But because Carrie Washington's character is so grounded in reality, because Alyssa is so grounded in reality, mm-hmm. and she like she is giving the performance of the movie in my opinion. Next to I would say maybe Keegan Michael Key as the principal. Yes. Um, who's again also grounded in reality. He's fantastic. He's he's so the best good. character in the movie. He's so fucking good. <laughs> but then you have them contrasted with these four larger than life characters. But then they also have Emma, who, no matter how sad a situation is, is just smiling her fucking face off. And it makes her very endearing, but then I'm also just like, I don't have the weight of how serious the situation is right now. And I don't have the chemistry between her and Alyssa that I would like. And Well, we don't see them together that often. We don't often. see them together that There's often. There's like a couple scenes where they share things in private, and it's like, you're going you're gonna to come out at prom, and it'll be perfect, right? It's like, yeah, it'll be perfect, that's what we'll do. And you can tell she's clearly not comfortable with it. Yeah. And, like, this gets into a whole different mess of 
like Midwest gay yes. high school life. And Alyssa's played by Ariana DeBose, um, who, if any of you watched Hamilton, she's the bullet. So she's basically the kiss of death throughout the entire production. She's also going to be Anita in the Steven Spielberg West Side Story uh, production. She is one of the most talented people working today. She's really giving it, and I buy every second of her. Uh-huh. But when the two of them are together, I don't, I don't buy it, I don't feel it, and I don't think it's their fault. Uh-huh. I really don't, because I also think that when they are having these moments that are supposed to be like tender and, and cute and we're supposed to really feel for them, the fucking camera is all over the place or the colors are ridiculous and everything is so distracting that I can't focus on the two of them and it just mm-hmm. really frustrates me. He's just trying to like replicate the bright lights of a stage, I'm assuming. Totally. That's that's exactly what's happening here. And I think that it's very ambitious, but it also really, it really watered down the storytelling because it falls into the trap of what so many people assume musical theater is mm-hmm. and that it's just spectacle. Yeah, so we had a discussion about this after it was done because uh, I bought a copy of Just Friends, which we reviewed on the Patreon and watched for Christmas twice. It was great. I also picked up copies of Valley Girl because it was there Mm -hmm. and The Producers. Mm -hmm. And I love The Producers. Mm -hmm. So we ended up having a discussion about when a musical is adapted from the stage to the screen and how that works because my understanding is that the producers of the movie is the exact same thing as the stage show. It's pretty damn like, close. Pretty much one to one except they threw Will Ferrell in there and that's it. <laughs> and that's that's cool. Love it. It's great. But then you have um, artistic choices like when we were screaming around this time like last year, late December, early January going, why didn't they use costumes from Cats for Cats? Uh, yes. Oh, my God. Why are they acting like actual cats? Why are they tiny now? So I guess it's it's a weird thing where there's no right answer on how to properly adapt a thing from stage to screen. Because if you're, it could be too faithful, it could not be too faithful, and it could go either way. Right. Because I know a lot of people didn't like the producer's mm-hmm. movie. or the, I mean, the, the musical one, not the original one, because the original mm-hmm. one's perfect. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I don't know. Where, where do you stand on that? I think there are some shows that do not translate well to the screen. I honestly think that The Prom is one of those shows. Or, I mean, I guess we'll never know, which is the sad part, because now it's been made. So we'll never know if it, if it could possibly translate better. Mm-hmm. But I think about something like, like A Little Shop, which is perfect. Mm-hmm. Like, it is a perfect movie and it nothing is lost and it's it's just as enjoyable on stage as it is um on the screen Uh but then i think about you know other shows like uh like i think like 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 rocky horror Uh where rocky horror i think as a movie is sometimes more successful as a movie than it is as a show i feel the same way about annie because sometimes you nail the movie so hard. And also, like, let me just say, like, I kind of fucking hate Annie because every production <laughs> I've been in is that it's just, like, a chorus of just sharp children. And, like, that sound is just, ugh, it's grating. But you get a movie that is so iconic that when you try to do the stage version, if you're doing something other than the movie, people are disappointed. 
which I think I guess Rocky Horror does perfectly because literally all they're doing is just, hey, let's do a stage production along to the movie. Well, that's when you do like shadow cast. Yes, exactly. But that you're not there's... doing. No one wants to show up at a midnight screening of that for Annie. <laughs> no, <laughs> but oh god, that'd be so much fun though. I would <sighs> I would dress like Tim Curry. And... No, that's a lie. I'd be I would be Tim Curry. Yeah, I'd be. I'd be. I'd be Carol Burnett. Easy Street. <laughs> um. So I think that it it really depends on the material because uh-huh. some shows I just I just don't think that they they translate well. Some of them like you need like something like Avenue Q. I would hate to see in movie form. No, I really it'd be terrible. Would, it would be terrible because a lot of the fun is one seeing the people actually do the performances with the puppets. That's uh-huh. part of the fun, and also the fact that it's just that street that you know it's just that neighborhood. Yeah, I think I mean if you did have it, okay, so. So I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to lead into a different point, which I think would work, but well, I guess we'll never know. I'm, I'm fantasy booking musicals now. Oh, God. <laughs> so if you were to make Avenue Q, I don't think it would be a good movie. I think it would have been a good show. Because okay. then it's like, like make it like a like a mini TV show, like a 12-episode run or some shit like that. Oh, just like what's going on in their neighborhood that we... Yeah, just yeah, something really cute. condensed like that, like little 20-minute bites or something. Perfect. It's, it's basically just Sesame Street, which is... Why would you need that then? A little mm-hmm. kind of, but like I mean, it's Adult Sesame Street, which I mean, given how many full ass adults say things like, "We should redo Care Bears, where they teach us how to do our taxes." Blah, 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 Kill blah, me. Blah, blah. Yeah, so maybe everything would be beneficial. Yeah, so like I don't know. It's I I don't think that I want that because once you if you're parodying Sesame Street, but then you take it like. To Sesame Street's turf, which is television shows, then it you're feels gonna weird. fucking fail. It, like, it feels weird. You can't come to the Sesame Streets. No, you you will you will get stomped on. <laughs> Big Bird will stomp your ass. <laughs> exactly, but I feel like since the prom is such a more small town and kind of intimate story, it would have benefited from having significantly less spectacle mm-hmm. because. I think what you would want for this is that it to be kind of have like a small town indie film kind of feel. Mm -hmm. And then maybe you'll have the characters who are like Broadway stars come in and it's like, oh no, they're bringing the city here. And now the contrast is even more intense. And Mm -hmm. I think that'd be cooler. Well, I think that a really successful version and granted this was something that was written sort of for film. But I think of something like Anna and the Apocalypse, uh-huh. where it's a musical, but it's also very sweet and it feels very condensed. And like, I know where I am, even though I'm not from the UK, but I know where I am. and It feels uh-huh. very comfortable. I think that the prom would have benefited from a little bit more of that hometown feel because we've got New York. We, we got it. We know what that looks like. We know what it is. I don't know a lot about this Indiana town uh-huh. other than the fact that, you know, we live in Ohio, which is pretty damn fucking close. We've driven through Indiana. I've spent time in Indiana. I know what the state is like. And this is going to segue into something that I have found very, very frustrating with the prom and also sort of the reception of it. Is the prom a good movie? No, I don't think that it is. I think that it's a very poorly constructed film. I think it's extremely average, basically a C, C minus. But is this a movie that I am so very glad exists? Yes. Yes, I am. Yeah. And the reason for it is if you go on Rotten Tomatoes right now, the critic score for this has us at like a like a low 50 or something like that. And the audience score has it like above 70. 
and also, you know, we're from, we're from Ohio and I do theater. So obviously a lot of people that I know have seen this and a lot of the reception on Facebook has been people talking about how this made them feel really good uh-huh. and how this is exactly what they needed in 2020 uh-huh. or this is a beautiful story about, you know, the, this young lesbian fighting for what she deserves. And what is so frustrating is that I read these reviews from critics who live in New York City and Los Angeles who just do not know that it really is still that bad here. Uh-huh. And a, a lot of them talking, of, like, sort of sort of downplaying the severity of that storyline of, like, oh, yeah, you know, these, like, Broadway stars are coming back and it's their cause of the week and we're making fun of celebrity activism. Which, like, yeah, you should make fun of celebrity activism. But then they gloss over the fact. It's like, oh, yeah, the school won't let her go to prom. And they talk about it as if, like, this is some sort of, like, passe thing that doesn't happen anymore. And it does. Uh It happens all the time. And it just kind of crushes me because if I was a high schooler, like, if this movie came out when, when I was in high school, when I was that Alyssa character where I was, like, out but you know not really and you know a lot of stuff was very hush hush and very secretive seeing the prom might have actually made me be like i need to i need to own my shit and Uh i need to i need to be more honest about this and if you scroll social media if you go on like tiktok or twitter or instagram right now and you look at the reviews from actual teens that are living you know in in the the non-coastal areas this story is really resonating with a lot of them. I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to hurt anyone. I just want to be me. So here goes. I love you, Emma Nolan. (laughs) I love you too. Alyssa, no, listen to me. You are very young. And you are confused. You don't know what is. I just don't want you to have a hard life. It's already hard. So I'm frustrated because these kids deserve better. And the LGBTQ plus community deserves better because this is just not a good movie. And this story is so important and I really do think there's a lot of heart in this, but it is getting completely lost and bogged down by Ryan Murphy's bullshit. So I feel basically the same way because obviously this is not the same as when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. Thank God. Mm -hmm. Whatever. But when I was in high school, the gayest movie anybody could ever think of like what when you think of the gayest movie what's the gayest movie personally my answer is jackass number two but you know that's (laughs) neither here nor there more than rocky horror more than anything else that was out there the gayest movie anyone could imagine in my high school was rent that's it a couple (sighs) a couple of the characters are gay and it's about aids and it's a musical that makes it the gayest movie possible Mm -hmm. never mind i'm i guess something like philadelphia but i guess we weren't watching that in high school or Nightmare on Elm Street 2. I don't think they were watching that in high school either. I was. You should have had better friends. Uh, I didn't have any good friends know, in I'm high sorry. school. Thank I'm you. I'm sorry for opening a wound. I'm sorry. Yes. I'll close it back up later. <laughs> but I think about that and I fucking hate Rent. 
Yeah. <laughs> I rent <laughs> rent is one of those top tier most like I want to vomit in my soul films because mm-hmm. it's everything I hate. I see so many people my age who I swear to God they learned how to do art by watching Rent, where it's like, oh no, you have to make yourself poor and pretend to be poor, even though you know you have rich family, but you can't ask them for help because that's how you're a real artist. You have to suffer for your art, but you're not really suffering. You're playing on a facade. You're Maureen. And then the gays are sitting here going like, oh, but take it or take me or leave me is a great lesbian song. It's a fucking fight. It is. Every time it ends up on like a queer playlist of like queer love songs, I want to punch somebody. Yeah. I mean, every June, occasionally I'll glance over Spotify's like pride mixes. What's going on? And I'll be like, I'll do it for maybe morbid curiosity. And occasionally I'll find something and go, oh, what's this? I don't know what this is. I'm not paying attention to the pop music the kids are listening to today. Oh, this is a banger? Okay, cool. And that's like one out of a hundred songs. So yeah, they're going to add a Rent song. It's always that one, I guess, because Seasons of Love is too fucking sad and the correct answer should probably be, I'll cover you, but God forbid we have Collins get his number because he's one of the only (laughs) redeemable people in this goddamn piece of shit fucking film. But whatever. Passion. I'm just like, I'm so attracted to you right now. Thank you. I hate Rent so much. God, fuck. And fuck everyone who likes Rent. No, Wait, I, don't. Well, I don't mean that. I mean, I kind of do. You have bad taste. I um. don't mean that you're allowed to like what you want, but also I question your taste of liking Rent because why? So with all of that said and all of my rambling and passion and rage out there, I love that this movie is essentially replacing what I feel like Rent's role was when I was in high school. Where it's like, oh, hey, we have a big gay musical thing now. We have several couple songs that are much better than the ones we got in Rent. And oh, yeah, much Dance With You is great. Yes. It's wonderful. The finale is actually really, really nice. Like, when they have their, their special funded prom and you have all these, like, clearly, like, little queer teenagers coming in for it. Mm-hmm. That's actually really, really nice of a scene. Like, mm-hmm. I like seeing that. So I don't want to go ahead and say, like, oh, the prom is good because it's not. But I'm very pleased that the prom is going to be here and do things for people who need it. Agreed completely because the reality is we still need it. We're not – we are not in, like, a post-gay society. I mean, we, we're still living in Ohio right now. Where instead of, you know, passing any sort of financial relief to small businesses during a fucking pandemic, they are prioritizing making sure that trans athletes can't compete in high school sports when school isn't even fucking in session. It's all like sports are not happening right now. This is this is your priority right now. Mm-hmm. Ugh, it just makes me so just the flames on the side of my face. <laughs> just so mad. How many Tim Curry movies can we reference tonight? Oh, God, let's just roll them out. I'm kidding. Um. <laughs> but, no, so, and I, I think about that because there was, so, so speaking on that subject, a few years ago, I'm going to say maybe four or five years ago now, I had to go speak at a PTA, like, school board meeting at my old high school. I think you've told about, you've talked about this a little bit on the podcast. I'm not sure if I did or didn't, but in the event that I didn't, here, here it is. So... I was a part of a, um, like a school news project that someone did for their final. Basically what it was, was that this one student wanted to put together a project, um, highlighting trans students at the school and Mm -hmm. through like 
a person of a person of a person, they found me as an out trans person who used to go there and be like, hey, we've got like the current, but here was the past and then hopefully the future kind of thing. So I was a part of this thing and it was supposed to come out in like March or whatever. It ended up getting shelved. The reason it got shelved is because they had two trans men that were students that they had interviewed for this and were mm-hmm. basically highlighting their life, talking to them about what that meant, coming out stories, stuff like that. And originally, one of those students' parents had signed off on it. Mm-hmm. And then they decided, actually, no, this might follow my kid, who I am clearly not fully comfortable with them being trans. This might follow them to college. I don't want this to air. And it was this huge, giant thing. And they ended up having to completely cut this student out in order to just broadcast it at all. That's so sad. Yes. So when it did, there were a couple... Uh, We'll say uh, Amanda Bynes and Easy A type students. Mm. A couple of those who came home and went, Dad, they they showed this thing on the whatever news or whatever it was, like whenever this was a circumstance that they saw it. And this dad was fucking furious and was like, I've got to protect my daughters because I'm going to have some perverts come sneaking in and trying to be like, oh, I identify as a girl because I want to look at girls when they pee because that's what every high school boy wants to do, obviously. So and Why is it always there? Why is that always the thing as like, these perverts are going to come in and watch my kid pee? Like, you can check the analytics on Pornhub. That is not as popular of a fetish as you think it is, sir. But Maybe dad really likes it. I don't know. I, maybe. Who yeah, knows? so there was this giant school board meeting thing and they had to call it together to be like, what are we going to do about this? And I found out about it and was like, well, I'm at least partially responsible for this, I guess. So I suppose I should show up. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went rolling in with like a hundred degree fever because I was just, I was sick. It was July. My car had no air conditioning. I was all fucked up. And this was supposed to be like a 30, 45 minute meeting. Mm -hmm. So many people showed up and wanted to talk about this issue that it went for like three hours. And I was the last person to talk. So by the time I got up there, I was saying like, hey, um, I'm not happy to be here today. (laughs) And I'm mad. And you all have bad opinions because I guarantee I know more about trans stuff than you do. You know more about American Girl Dolls than they do genius. Yes. And it reminded me so much of like sort of the opening of this movie where we first get our... um, our, I guess it's the first scene in Indiana where Meryl Streep has her big, like, no, I'm. this isn't all about me musical number. Mm-hmm. Where they're like, well, let's hear from the people, and I don't think my kid should be forced to go to a gay prom. And mm-hmm. it was very reminiscent of that. And, like, that was one of the most uncomfortable things. So I'm like, oh, this is taking me back to this one thing I had to do. Mm-hmm. And this is such a, like real small town, like Midwest, probably like Tornado Alley, South, like just anywhere that is not on the coast. This is such a like legitimate thing people have to deal with. Well, and it's, it's not even just small towns because where you grew up is, is a suburb of Cleveland, but it's what, 45 minutes away. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's smaller. It's like 12,000 people. Yeah. So it's pretty small. Two years ago, there was a meeting in Cleveland to discuss having countywide protections for the LGBTQ plus community in terms of employment, housing, and public accommodations. Uh Because 
as of the recording of this podcast, again, why we date these things, because it is currently being, you know, battled in the courts, Ohio does not have statewide protections. So we can drive 10 minutes from where we live. I know I've said this before, but it bears repeating. I can drive 10 minutes from where we live and we could walk into a store and someone could say, I'm sorry, you look too gay. It's, I don't believe in this. And we legally cannot do a goddamn fucking thing about it. Uh Same thing, you know, that 10 minutes away, you can be denied a place to live. You can be denied services. You could be denied a lot of things based on that shit. And Cleveland, like the, the blue liberal bubble that makes people believe that this is a swing state, despite the fact that it is absolutely not a swing state. Well, there's three blue bubbles. There's three. It's the three a, major the, the three big C's. Yeah. And yeah. then like Toledo and Dayton, but, um, Cuyahoga County two years ago had to debate this. And I was working at the Alt Weekly at the time, so I covered it as press. And it was a similar situation. The meeting was standing room only. They were, you know, breaking fire code, people sitting on the floor. It lasted four hours because everyone had to say their piece. And everything ranged from perverts and whatever to people preaching. And then you would have members from the community that are like, I just... I just want to be a human. Like, can you please? I just want to pee. I just want to pee. I just want to be able to have a place to live. I just want to be able to hold a job and not have to worry. Like, I just, anything. So they had to take a recess at one point, which then meant that everybody was sort of mingling with each other. And there was a a speech from a a law student who was a trans, a trans man. He goes to use the men's room and they yelled at him and said, you can't use this bathroom. So then he went, fine. And then he goes to, to use the women's room. And they're like, you can't be in here. And he goes, then where the fuck am I supposed to go? Uh-huh. And it was like that moment where I was like, that just solidifies everything. And so I get very frustrated when I read reviews of things like The Prom, where they're like, we didn't need this movie. This is, you know, a waste, blah, 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 blah. Because no, we, we do. Uh-huh. We do need this movie and we do need these stories because this shit still happens every day whether or not you see it. But movies aren't being made in mm-hmm. Indiana, and most film reviewers aren't in Indiana. Mm-hmm. So it just, it kind of just, it kind of pisses me off. And on that note, we, we have to address the the great pink face in the room, uh-huh. which is James Corden's casting. Uh-huh. How do you feel about it? I'm going to preface all of my thoughts on James Corden by saying that I do not think that every gay character needs, needs to be played by a gay actor. Mm -hmm. That said, if you are not stringent about that, then you'll have everyone thinking like, oh, well, I mean, I'll be one of the people who doesn't have to cast a gay person. And then they don't cast any gay people. And it's a very difficult issue, and I believe you don't have to because I don't want people to be stuck with the sexualities for the roles Mm -hmm. where it's like, oh, gay people aren't allowed to play straight people then, and Mm -hmm. the whole mess that comes with that. However, we are not there yet Mm -hmm. where we can be going ahead and making these graces. Mm -hmm. So... When you have a character like the one James Corden is playing, and 
all of his character is built around his sexuality because his big sympathetic backstory is that he was kicked out when he was 16 for being gay. James Corden can't relate to that. When he gives Emma these big speeches about like, be out and proud and don't let anyone make you feel bad for who you are. He can't relate to that. Mm-hmm. So much of like these things he's saying are hollow because it's James Corden. And do not get me wrong. I actually think he's doing probably the best performance I've ever seen him do. Mm-hmm. He's doing a very good job. However, <laughs> it's all bullshit. Yeah, I... The issue that I have with it is that when he's doing his, like, mannerisms, it feels like he's mocking gay people. It feels like he he feels like a parody of a gay character. And that's really frustrating. That's not to say that there are not gay men that exist that are these larger than life flamboyant characters. There are. I know Mm -hmm. plenty of them and I love them dearly. But when it's being played by a straight person, and yes, this also includes Eric Stone Street on Modern Family, it feels like mockery and it feels like parody. And the problem is that if if, if this was just like a one off like appearance where James Gordon shows up and, you know, says some some gay lines and like flips his hair back or whatever, flips a scarf. I don't care. That's fine. Whatever. But the thing is, the character of Barry has the in my opinion, the meatiest and weightiest emotional arc in the whole movie because he has to come to terms with the fact that his parents pretty much forced him out of the house because they were like, either you go to conversion therapy or you leave. And that is a really intense thing. There's like the scene where he's talking to Meryl Streep about it and he's crying. They threw me away. Well, did they really? I told them that I was gay, and they said that they would take me to therapy to change myself completely. Let your parents see who you are before it's too late. If you don't, you'll regret it. I'm not the one who should have regrets. In that moment, honestly, like, I feel it, and I feel that heartbreak, and I'm like, God, this sucks. But I can't allow myself to go there with that character and feel respected and feel understood and feel empathy because I know that the second this crying scene is over, it's going to go back to him basically imitating Titus Burgess, which why the fuck wasn't he just cast in that role in the first place? It would have solved all of these problems. I mean, if this movie was made 10, 15 years ago, this would have just been Nathan Lane. Yes. Oh my God. In in a heartbeat. And it would have been so much better for it. Yes. Agreed completely. And it's just, it's very frustrating because queer actors don't ever get to play roles outside of being queer. So then you have this massive movie that's, you know, getting a ton of marketing behind it from Netflix with Meryl Streep and made by Ryan Murphy. And you're going to give the important gay role outside of the two girls to a straight man. I don't, I just, I can't wrap my head around it. The mental gymnastics like fucking hurt. And the thing is, I don't think that he's doing a a bad job. It's just so inauthentic to the point where it's offensive. And it then makes it even harder because all of these characters are not supposed to be good people. Like Uh they're all going through some shit. So one of the criticisms that I saw some people make was there's a moment where his character is begging the, uh, begging Emma to like, he's, please let me dress you for the prom, let me dress you for the prom, and she says she wants to wear a vintage tux and, like, some some high tops. 
And he's like, please let me like, you know, glam up this butchy little duck or whatever. And, you know, he puts her in a dress and that's to the, the prom that, you know, she ends up being by herself in. And somebody was like, that feels really homophobic. And at first I was like, mm, I think that's a bit of a stretch because that to me just is like a lot of gay men who don't, they don't understand the butch You are my lifestyle. doll. Yeah. Like, let me dress you up as I yes, please. Yes, yes, yes. So like. Especially because I'm an extravagant Broadway gay. Yes. Yeah. So in that moment, it, I don't feel that it's like being homophobic so much as it's just being tone deaf and stupid mm-hmm. and like being very sort of binary in terms of like what the genders are quote unquote allowed or supposed to be wearing I think is bananas and silly but when it comes from James Corden I believe that's how he actually feels and yeah. it makes me feel uncomfortable whether or not that's true because I don't I don't know him personally I don't want to know I James don't Corden want to personally. know him I feel honestly he just feels to me like straight Ellen where I think he understands that, like, there are people in America who think that he actually is gay. Because straight up, there were a lot of people who were like, I didn't even know that he was straight. Because he plays, like, the like the friendly and fun talk show host. And he's easygoing. And he's not, you know, really masculine and scary. He does carpool karaoke. Woo! And he sort of plays into that, like, effeminacy to make a career out of it. Uh-huh. And so with that in mind, him playing this character is fucking offensive that's I guess what the biggest fault of this movie is like there's a lot of things wrong with it but it's biggest issue is that it is tone deaf it's 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 got it's got it's got bad optics like another one that we talked about and I cannot say whether or not this is a good or a bad thing because it is not my place but some people were like of course we're gonna make Carrie Washington this horrible homophobic villain and like the black person's the villain Mm -hmm. and I can't say whether that's okay or it's not. Um, I will say that it did give us an interracial couple, which I like. So, Which in order to have an interracial couple between those two girls, it's either the mom that's the supervillain who wants to take away the prom, or then it's the parents that kicked out the daughter for being yeah, so like, like You can't win. Pick your poison on that one. Yeah. I think it's... For the greater good, but I'm not the, I'm not the final say on that. Yeah, again, like, I I have no say in this. Like, it is not up to me to determine what, to to either of us, what is or is not offensive to, to black people. Um, the only thing that made me kind of go, "Mm, okay, is that Ryan Murphy, for the most part, has been very good about showing villains and heroes being both, uh, people of color and white people. Uh Uh-huh. So... Like, that's, like, one of the one areas that I don't, like, fault him on. Because if you watch any of his series, like, he has people that suck from all walks of life and people that are great from all walks of life. I mean, that even so. happens in here. Because, I mean, the best character in the whole movie is Keegan-Michael Key's yes. character. Yes, yes, yes. So, that, again, but it's bad optics. In the case of that versus James Corden, there's not really a lot of ways you can argue why James Corden was the right choice. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no, like, oh, but it gave us this. It's like, no, you could have gotten there with a better choice. No, I agree completely. Like, there, there, there's really, it's they're not on the same level in that sense. Because what's so frustrating is in, at the heart of the prom, it's really discussing how our identities are political. And they just are inherently. And because of that, there is inherent political messaging that's, and, and messaging that is happening based on who you cast. Uh-huh. Because by casting Keegan-Michael Key in that role, while yes, I think that he's incredible and I think he's doing a great job, his storyline is basically him now having to be, you know, this 
black guy from a small town teaching this extremely wealthy, extremely privileged white celebrity how to be a better person. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of fucking emotional labor that that character doesn't have to do. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those instances where it's like, yeah, these are things you have to take into consideration when you're casting. And what sucks is that if you're like, okay, well then like, let's switch it. Let's not have them be, uh, let's not have them be black, but then, then you have a white cast and Mm -hmm. like, that's also not cool. So it's, it's, there's a lot of truths to be held at the same time, I think with this. And I think that's why this movie to me is so endlessly frustrating because I think that it is so important and I think that it is really giving a great message and it is inspiring a lot of young queer kids. And ultimately that's, that's all I can ask from this movie. But then at the same time, I'm just like, but I wish it was better. Yeah. I I mean, I wish every movie was better. Mm -hmm. I don't, I'm never sitting there going, man, I wish this movie, no, that's not true. I wish all Mel Gibson movies were worse. (laughs) <laughs> I, he, it's so frustrating when they're not because I'm just like apparently there's one where he has to murder Santa or something no he's up. Santa and he's getting murdered by a child yeah and everyone's like okay but real talk it's actually really good and I was like I will not see it out of principle I love that as a concept right but you could have got there without the anti-Semite thank you yeah fucking so uh, bad optics so like with the exception of people like Mel Gibson I don't wish any movie was worse I only wish they were all better yeah like there's actually some very good scenes in this movie like um there's that song and dance number that's mostly like man isn't the bible hypocritical in the mall where you're just like wow where Andrew there, Reynolds is basically just doing a, a number from Book of Mormon. Yes, but it's like, wow, there's like, there's actually choreography in this. Yeah, and the, I think the choreography in that scene is really well done. I think it's really well executed. There's fucking tambourine synchronization. There's waterworks with the mall, like, wishing fountain. Pretty, pretty pleased with that number. They did a good job on that one. Yeah, or when they have their own, like, we are the world style number at a monster truck rally and they can boot out the building. Yeah, that shit's that's, really funny. That shit's really funny. Or, um, and I fucking hate that I have to give him credit, but that scene in the hotel where he's talking to Meryl Streep, James Corden is, about how they kicked him out. Like, I like that scene. I like that dialogue. I hate that it's coming out of his fucking mouth. I hate that it's James Corden. Because there's two things of that, which is like, when you cast a character who is intrinsically the opposite of what this character is on a fundamental level, because they're musicals. Mm-hmm. He's not that deep. He mm-hmm. has like two major points, and they're both tied to his sexuality. Mm-hmm. So when you cast a straight person, it's like when you cast a skinny Tracy Turnblad, or when you go ahead and make an all white production of Hamilton. This is fundamentally not how this works. You yeah. can't fucking do that. Yeah. So it's so frustrating to me, especially because. I haven't talked to my dad in 11 years. And, like, I, I know I like to shit on my mom and make fun of my dead brother. And I think that that's comedic oversharing. I don't know how anybody else feels about it. Hopefully, we haven't gotten any complaints yet. No so. one's complained. So, uh, you know what? Just leave that in the suggestion box on Twitter if you're upset with me constantly making jokes about my brother getting hit by a train. So my dad gets a free pass because he wasn't there. Yeah. But, like, he does not get that free pass. He just, I have less ammunition to throw at him. Mm-hmm. But he is just as shitty, I can assure you. Mm-hmm. So that scene, I like it. It hits the right notes. But I'm mad by the singer. Because it's like, you don't, you don't know this. You do not know what this is like. And again, this... 
it falls into this dangerous trap because the second you say that, then people are like, oh, well, then I guess gay people can only play gay people because they don't know what it's like to be straight and blah, 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 blah. And it's this fucking bullshit backwards argument. And it's like, no, no, no. When it comes to queerness, like, there is an aspect of your identity that you can't, like, it can't come out with acting because it's a part of you. It's who you are. And yeah, there's no one way to be gay, but ultimately... If you are gay, if you are queer in any way, shape, or form, the way that you live life, no matter how assimilated and, you know, straight picket, white picket fence life you have, your life is still different, no matter what. Yes, and since all of this is drawing from personal experience, maybe that just says something about James Corden being a really good actor in this movie, and, you know, an actor's job is to play someone that isn't them. I get that. However, then it just feels like you're lying to me, which that's Mm -hmm. all acting is. That's what a show is. You know, it's a magician. Like, look at the left hand and don't pay attention to what I'm doing with my right one. And I do not like the sleight of hand that is James Corden not being gay. Mm -hmm. Like, he's straight. I accept that. Don't cast him in a gay role. Yes, agreed completely. It's very bothersome to me on, on a lot of levels that that's that's the decision they made. And I, I understand the complexities of making a film. I know that they probably were like, well, we need to, you know, have a name. And if, if there's one thing middle America loves and, you know, moms and, and dads love, it's fucking easy listening James Corden carpool karaoke. I guess I, that Mamma Mia star it. power wasn't enough. I guess not. <laughs> and it just it's just very frustrating. I just feel like it was such... It's a missed opportunity more than anything. Mm-hmm. And it's frustrating because this movie really should have like hit everything. It should have hit all the right notes and it just doesn't. And I hate that we've also spent so much time talking about these celebrity characters and especially James Corden and not about Emma and Alyssa's relationship because it just feels so secondary because I'm too fucking distracted. Well, it's almost like else. the loud New Yorker celebrity types are very commanding of all of your attention. Mm. It's almost like they're too goddamn distracting. Yeah. Cuz like Emma doesn't have a big emotional scene where she talks about her parents kicking her out. James Corden gets one of those. Emma James gets Corden a gets scene. one where his mom shows up and it's like dad's not ready yet. So then the closest she'll kind of get is she hangs out with her grandma. And then she gets a uh, scene where she performs a musical number with a guitar on, like, YouTube. And she gets her when she realizes that the the first prom is, is a prank, and she cries. We get that. But ultimately, yeah, these these big emotional arcs, we they're given to they're given to the adults. Mm-hmm. And even Alyssa's coming out scene to her mom when she finally does tell her that she's gay. Like, there's a moment between her and Carrie Washington that I would have watched for another 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like, get rid of one of these fucking songs and let me <laughs> let me watch that. Because, like, that is, is riveting and, and what I want to see more of. But ultimately, I think the reason that this movie just really didn't click with me the way that I wanted it to is because on the stage, when everything's larger than life and silly and fun and lighthearted, it works. But in a movie, it just it just didn't. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that's a fault of the people who wrote the uh, who wrote the musical. I I think it was a lot of poor decision making on Ryan Murphy's part that unfortunately this cast sans James Corden and this story um, it didn't get the glory that it deserves. Mm-hmm. So 
Yeah, I mean, not not to tack this on at the end of that, but we were talking about that Kerry Washington scene at the end. It's like, no, that's very good, and it's very powerful. However, however, I walked in about, you know, halfway into this forever long movie mm-hmm. and had this moment where we realized, oh, oh, you're her daughter. Mm-hmm. Got it. This movie's about to have some fucking dumbass politician thing where it's like, I hate gay people. Wait, my son's gay? No, I've always loved gay people. I accept you because it's different now because I'm personally invested. And mm-hmm. uh, and that should be like an emotional thing at like the very end of the movie where she comes around. And it's like, hey, I love you and I don't want to lose you. And it's tied into this whole point of like forgiveness of your parents because they're not perfect. And that's what it should be. But to me, because of, like, real-world parallels to these loud, aggressively homophobic people, it just feels like, no, fuck you. Yeah, no, I don't have to give you a pass. Yeah, no, like, I... And honestly, and that's why that James Corden scene makes me so goddamn mad, because there's a line where Meryl Streep's trying to convince him to call his mom again Mm -hmm. and be like, no, you know, you're going to regret it if you don't connect. And his response is... I'm not the one who should have regrets because I was the kid. And it's like, God damn it. Like, the mm-hmm. best line of this whole movie you gave to the straight guy. Like, fuck you. Yeah. And because that's that's the reality of that situation. I'm glad that, that you know, Mrs. Green wants to talk to Alyssa and she wants to talk this out and she wants to be supportive. But you can be the most supportive parent in the world. It is not going to erase the things that you said originally because you know that's where their heart is Uh i know so many people who are like yeah when i came out it was bad it was really really bad we're okay now or like oh we're getting there now but the way that everybody says it you you can hear it in their voice of like we're good now but that that memory of when it wasn't good is what's pushing the we're good now to the front of the mouth like you can't get those words out without them being pushed and motivated by the times when it was not good like Uh that that does not go away Uh and it's it's just endlessly frustrating because god i want to love this movie i really really do and i don't and it just hurts my heart because on paper it's everything that i should want it's everything that this podcast represents and this they just do it all wrong And I'm so upset about it. Just small changes would have gone a long way. Yes, like these teeny tiny changes would have made such an impact. Like such an impact. Honestly, if you had just recast James Corden, I could bump this up from like a C minus to a B. Absolutely. Oh my god, because then I wouldn't also be so distracted, and then I wouldn't also be so fucking mad. Uh-huh. So then the other stuff would have, I would have had the emotional capacity to let myself go there and believe this like cheesy musical. But I couldn't because I was too busy being mad that I felt emotionally manipulated by a straight man saying things that I hear in my head. Yeah, and I I love that line in his monologue about his parents. Mm-hmm. Like, I love it. After my brother died, my dad probably got stricken with grief that he had cast, well, that he had driven one away and then cast the other one, me, aside because I'm not everything he had hoped for. So he shoots a message to my mother saying, like, hey, uh, what's what's the phone number? I want to get back in contact with my kid, or whatever it was he said. And my mom goes, hey, your dad wants your number. Should I give it to him? And I go, why? I was like, I don't know. I didn't ask. I'm like, why didn't you ask? Because <laughs> the reality of it is I've had the same phone number since I was, like, 15 years old. Mm-hmm. 
And had he not gotten drunk and sad and sent out texts going, I'm deleting everyone's phone numbers because you don't talk to me anyway. Like, you know, a sad, angry teenager going, uh, just so you know, I cleansed a bunch of people who I unfriended on Facebook. Congrats if you survived. It means I don't hate you, tongue sticky outy face. Like, mm-hmm. he did the middle-aged man version of that. Mm-hmm. So, like, if he hadn't thrown a fit, he would still have my number. And then I would promptly ignore him because mm-hmm. I will get nothing from reintroducing, from reintroducing this man to my life. I am fine with that. Mm-hmm. And I wonder... And you and I were talking about this off mic one time where it's like, I wonder if people listening hear me talk about my parents and they think, man, Harvey's got like a lot of repressed anger. Like maybe she should go to therapy for this stuff. And it's like, no, I don't actually. Um, I would go to therapy if I wanted to mend those fences. Personally, I would rather burn those bridges to the ground and never have to deal with them again. Well, and I'm glad that you bring that up because that's sort of what Meryl Streep's character is trying to do in this movie is she's, you know, you need to call because like you'll regret it or you need to do this or because you'll regret it because that to me is that is like the straight assimilation thing happening Mm -hmm. in play. It's like, no, the nuclear family is so important and you need to reconnect with your parents because, oh my God, you'll never forgive yourself if you don't. There are plenty of people in this world who are just fucking fine without their parents. Yeah. Just because you're related to somebody, parents, siblings, whoever, you are under no obligation to keep toxic people in your life. No. And the fact that so many straight people just don't get that is very fucking frustrating. Because, like, with you, you don't need to go to therapy to, like, deal with your anger, deal with your oppression. You're just honest about it. Because, I th- and I think that that's so jarring to so many people because nobody is honest about that shit if they have a bad relationship with their family they usually just keep it to themselves and you're like no oh we have our issues Mm -hmm. like no my parents have always supported me i'm like have they though Mm -hmm. are they always there for you or do they say awful things about you to your face and you just go no but i love you no i'll be the first to admit i mean I'm in such a privileged position and that my parents have always supported me and I do have really, you know, wonderful parents, but pretty much everyone that I've ever been romantically paired with in like a serious, like more than six month span, they all have fucked up relationships with their family and all of them are, were, with the exception of you, were desperately like still seeking that approval and trying to make things work despite the fact that their parents have shown them no grace, no love, no understanding, but it's like, oh, I have this like arbitrary feeling of loyalty that I have to, I have to fulfill. And it's like, why? All you're doing is hurting yourself. You are wasting time and energy hurting yourself Uh because it's this, this end result that you want is not going to be the one that you get. And that also frustrates me because this James Corden thing, I know that everybody wants to have like a nice happy ending wrapped up in a bow and it, it's a musical. So fucking course, that's how it ends. Mm-hmm. But the, like, it just feels so hollow. And I think the reason that it feels hollow when he reconnects with his mom is because it's a straight man. And I didn't believe that there was a problem to begin with. And Tracy Ullman is his mom and she's great. And God bless her forever for her, you know, for her like for little her cameo two minutes of screen. Yeah, time. whatever. She's perfect. She can do no wrong. Yeah. Like, pretty much my whole relationship that I feel towards my parents was that me and my mother were one time getting po' boys, and she, we, we've never been a touchy-feely family. She went in for a hug suddenly, for no reason, and I reacted by, like, putting my knee up and, like, kneed her straight in the pelvis. 
Well. And some man who was behind us in line yelled at me for treating my mother badly and said, like, one day your parents are going to be dead like mine and you're going to regret it. You don't fucking know my life. That's everything I need to know about my relationship with my family, and I'm okay with that. And that's the thing. If you're okay and with Meryl it... Meryl you can eat it for making <laughs> people try and rekindle things with their families. Now, I guess, in her defense, James Corden's character does miss his parents. And that's the thing. He does. He does. That's but, where we're different. Yes, but if, you, if, but if you don't have that need or that want, you don't fucking have to. Mm-hmm. You don't have to. Well, now that we have successfully uh, thrown all of our familial trauma out on the table. That we? Okay, you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all, all I'll say is because like, you didn't get to go to prom, and you, do you care about it? Do you have feelings about it? Like, not going to prom? Yeah. Um, no, I don't give a shit about not going to prom. <laughs> I... The way you said um, I was like, wait, maybe? Do you care? Because that's new. No, I didn't think about it. I was like, no, I don't give a shit about going to prom, because I would have worn... The brown, like, sports jacket that my mom made me get at Men's Warehouse because... Because you're so damn tall. Because there's only so many places you can get clothes and it didn't fit right because they don't make big... They make big and tall stores, they not big and or tall stores. <laughs> so it was, like, oversized and it didn't fit me right and it was ugly. And my mom's like, you're handsome in Men's Warehouse. You'll like the way you look, I guarantee it. And I didn't. Did they guarantee it, though? They guaranteed it. That's their slogan. <laughs> like, fucked up. They, I, did, I did not like the way I looked. I was not a fan. So that's what I would have most likely got stuck wearing. So, I mean, when I was, like, 19, I had friends, um, when I first started coming to Cleveland, invite me to, like, a, like a gay prom, like an inclusive prom, like whatever. proms. Yeah, whatever yeah. it was at their college. So it's Cleveland University. And... I'm glad that those people had fun. I did not because it was in this like big banquet room that probably could have fit like 60 tables that fit like 10 people each, but they only had enough to fill maybe like five to eight tables. So it's just like 50 people in this giant room with like no DJ. They had someone just like put on a playlist and then they danced, and it was big, and it was empty, and it felt sad. So, for other people, if they enjoyed themselves and they had a great experience because they never got the prom that they wanted in high school, more power to you. Uh, adult proms, alt proms, they're, they're not for me. So, um, <laughs> those, those were my, like, fancy, fancy party experiences. How, how, how was your prom? <laughs> Oh, my prom. <laughs> okay, so my prom was twofold. One, it first was really tragic and awful because I was asked to model for the prom style fashion show. What the fuck is that? Okay, because I went to a huge school and basically a bunch of different dress shops used us as free marketing. They would allow us to, like a handful of couples were picked. And you would be assigned different stores and you'd go to the stores and then you would pick out like the prom dresses and you would do like a fashion show. And it was basically free advertising for all of these dress shops. Like, hey, prom season's coming. Look at all these cool dresses you could wear. So I got chosen. Uh-huh. 
And this is 2007? Yeah, 2007 at there this There were point. some quality formal dresses then. There were, but there weren't any plus size. <laughs> oh. And while in high school, I was like right on the cusp of plus size. Like I had not become the full-fledged fat beauty that I am today. But I was still bigger than uh-huh. the rest of my classmates. And I especially had gigantic tits. So What else um, is new? What else is new? They've always been there. They did not pop up overnight. But because my boobs were so big... None of the dresses fit. Uh-huh. And I had a terrible experience where I went to store after store after store. And they, like, literally did not have anything that could fit me. Uh-huh. I ended up getting lucky. I went to the store, Cloud9 Bridal. Uh-huh. And Cloud9 Bridal had uh, this incredible dress. It is, to this day, my favorite dress that I've ever owned. It was red with white polka dots. And the skirt was huge you sent me a picture of this when you went to my visit entire couch yeah you went to go visit uh your parents when they were moving mm-hmm. and you sent me a picture of you like i don't think you were wearing it. i think you were just holding it up against yourself oh i was wearing it it just was not zipped in the back oh, i didn't remember <laughs> it's been a few years since i've seen it but like i was just like oh my god i love that it is <laughs> so much i was obsessed with it and it was apparently a dress that they had had for years and they like could not sell it. They're like, it, nobody has ever wanted this. And I was like, no, that is my dress. And Get I... Get that horror pop rockabilly oh, chic. God, I love that dress. Um, and of course, like I had like pageant dresses and things, but most of those were like custom built. But that was the one that like I found that dress. And uh-huh. like that dress found me. This was a fucking like Harry Potter wand situation. That dress chose me. And... To this day, like, anytime anyone's ever seen it, I'm like, I don't know anyone else who could pull that dress off. I'm like, yeah, because you can't, because it's mine. Like you got that, that is, swagger. That is, like, my, it was my dream. I fucking love that dress. I used to joke that I was going to, like, get the skirt cut so that it would be, like, a huge cocktail dress and, like, get married in it. And then I got fat <laughs> and, like, that's not going to happen. And then we didn't have a wedding. And then we didn't have a wedding because the pandemic happened. And we got married on Zoom in gym shorts. It was not destined to be. It was not destined to be. Um, but my actual prom experience was pretty fun. I mean, it was, uh, it was pretty lit because my school's... Because you got lit? Let me just put it this way. People at my prom had sex on the dance floor under their dresses and people did not know because that's just the style of dance that we did in high school. I mean, that happened at the one winter formal I went to. Um, and then afterwards we went to, uh, my, my best friend, Elspeth's older sister had an apartment that she, you know, wasn't really using cause she also had like a boyfriend. Uh-huh. So we all went to that apartment and stayed up all night and had a great time and, uh, it was fun. And then I did not go to my senior prom because I, I had broken up with the, uh, the Christian boy at, <laughs> from the story on the Patreon, um, because, you know, huge gay and i was like no can't uh-huh. do this so then i didn't go to prom so instead uh my best friend elspeth who had graduated at this point got me a corsage and pizza and we watched a bunch of horror movies and got shit housed and it was the best and i wouldn't have traded that for anything that sounds nice sounds i think i just nice. stayed at home and did nothing do you, do you want to have a late prom together? No. I didn't think so. <laughs> I've been over this. I'm not, I'm not a fan of adult proms. <laughs> and the thing is, like, I understand why adult proms exist, because a lot of people are a bit, a bit more sentimental about these experiences oh, yeah. than others. So, like, I get I'm it. I'm not. And that's why I've said, like, it, yes. if that works for you, that's fine. Mm-hmm. It's not for me. Yeah. And that's fine. It doesn't have to be. Well, 
I already know how you feel about adult proms, but the real question here is that... The prom is asking you me to prom? The prom is asking... This is going to do a cute little promposal. So, uh... So, yeah, the prom... The, the prom is asking you to the prom, Harmony. I already know the answer, but is it a yes, no, or a maybe? And are you writing anything on the on the note back? I'm saying maybe. Holy shit, I was I don't, not expecting a maybe. Yeah, I was like, you're going to expect Whoa. a no. So here's the thing here. Um, I have no desire to rewatch this movie mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. However, I think there's enough good things in here for other people that I can't just be like, no, it's, no, it's trash. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that's what no is to me. Not, do I want to experience this film again? No, it's like, no, is this a bad film with bad intentions that's badly executed, whatever, whatever, whatever? Yeah, yeah. No. I think this film is a clumsy Ryan Murphy nightmare (laughs) that has good things in it that other people will pick up on and they probably will either ignore or not realize the horrible atrocities that we are stuck on. So that's where I'm at with this thing. And I think that that's where where this should stay. (laughs) I, I agree. I agree. And if you all want to stay with us a little longer, you can subscribe to our Patreon. Look at that fucking transition. Mm, mm, mm. Smooth. Yeah. So smooth that you can join our Patreon at patreon.com backslash this ends at prom. You can also follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at this ends at prom. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BJ Colangelo. Harmony, where you at? I'm on Twitter and Instagram. At Velocitraptor, Velocit underscore trap underscore tour. I did it with more energy because I had people be like, wow, Harmony's like so sad when she plugs her stuff. <laughs> so I did it way better this time. You did it super radically. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm so rad, yo. Hello. Like rad. sick 90s, like finger guns. Like, yeah, papoo. <laughs> like you so cool. It. I'm so cool. So, yeah. Awesome. Wonderful. Well, thanks as always to the Sonderbombs for letting us use their song title as the theme song. Follow them on Spotify, Bandcamp, wherever you get your music. They got new music coming out yeah, this month. Their new album's dropping, and I think right around the time this episode comes up, they're going to be dropping a new single, which is going to be super duper sick. Yeah, hella tight. Be tight as fuck. Yeah. Yeah, me, I'm tight as fuck. Tight as fuck. <laughs> Whack! (laughs) (laughs) All right, friends. We will see you next time. And make sure you save the last dance for us. Aw. I tried a tagline like you asked. Did I do okay? I think it's fine. Okay, fine. (laughs) Let us know how you feel about it. Okay, bye. This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me.